Uh, today's scripture is Romans 5, 2 through 5, and I just realized I do not have my glasses on, so we're going to see how this goes. Uh, Scripture says, uh, verse 2, we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for this holy, sacred word. It's not just true, it's encouraging. It's uh, not just real, God, it, it inspires us. And so we pray this morning as we hear the message from your word today, that you would uplift us, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, and that we would leave here with a passion in our heart to know Jesus better uh, and to bear up under sufferings with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good morning, Christ community. Thankful to be here and to be gathered with you. As Jeff said, my name is Ryan and I'm one of the pastors here. It's my joy to be able to open up God's word to us this morning. So if you have a Bible or a device, I'd like to ask you to turn to Romans 15. Romans 15 this morning. We just finished up a great week of VBS as we looked at what it means to have true hope in life and how that only comes about through knowing God. And so many of the youth students as well have been serving at VBS and now just helped with worship. So in many ways, this is almost like a next-gen Sunday, which is great. And I want to take a moment to tell you all, as you know, that we have some truly great kids and students who are coming up behind us. I'm going to hit on this towards the end, but I want you all to be encouraged at what God is doing amongst this up-and-coming generation, and in particular, at the next generation at Christ Community Church. So with that said, Romans 15, I have one verse for us to consider. It was our theme verse for VBS, and it's Romans 15, 13, and I'll read it now. Paul writes, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we, as your church, are gathered here this morning. We thank you again for this uh, beautiful weather that we're able to experience. And I pray simply that you would, these next few minutes, turn our hearts and our minds to you. Let us uh, see what it is that this verse means. Apply it to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. May all that we say, do, and think glorify you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you remember, long time ago, when we used to have service inside, We have been walking through the book of Romans, and it'll be a bit before we come to chapter 15. But think back to what we have seen so far, and then if you're familiar with the book, think of the context with me as well. Paul begins chapter 1, and he outlines the problem of sin. He paints it in a very clear and stark terms. All of humanity has sinned and therefore is under the judgment of God. So we saw how this manifests in the vice list at the end of chapter 1. And then we skip forward a little bit into chapter 4, as we'll come to see in the next few weeks. Paul shows us what it means to be justified by faith and how God's plan of salvation, even in the Old Testament, has always been by grace through faith. Our justification before God does not come from our good works 
or our righteous behavior or any other thing we do, but rather in the finished work of Christ and what he did for us. Then skipping forward again, we come to chapter eight, which is arguably the most famous chapter in all the Bible as we come to see and understand, as Paul writes, that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And then he says again that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. And then he ends it out by saying this glorious truth that if God is for us, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not grant us everything, he asks. This glorious book then continues in describing God's election and predestination and how our salvation and how the work of salvation is wholly dependent upon God and not upon us. Then we come to chapter 15, where our verse this is this morning, nearing the end of the book, and Paul provides some practical advice for how Christians particularly Jews and Gentiles, ought to accept one another and live in harmony with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he says this verse that is the focus of our study this morning. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna take much of your time this morning, but I'd like to briefly highlight the God of hope, our faith-filled hope, and our future hope. Three truths here, our, the God of hope, our faith-filled hope, and our future hope. So first, the God of hope. God here in this verse is described as the God of hope. In the midst of difficult Jew and Gentile relations in the early church, and remember the early church is still very young here, there are some things to work out. And sometimes 2,000 years later, there are still some things to work out in the midst of a church. But in the midst of these, Paul prays that the God of hope would fill them with joy and with peace. This God of hope, friends, is the key to the Christian life. Jew and Gentiles were called to place their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And then God, in turn, would produce in them joy and peace as they believe. But more than this, think back to what happened in the beginning, in Genesis 1. Think about the character of the God we serve. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They are cast out of the garden. They know their shame. They know the weight of their sin. Yet what does this God of hope do? He clothes them himself. He judges them. He casts them out. But in the midst of this judgment, he provides hope that one day the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And we trace that theme throughout the scriptures. It only continues. God, time and time again, provides hope for those who believe in him. Friends, this is a short exposition of this one verse, but I want to encourage you, if you are struggling with hope this morning, struggling to see the beauty in life, struggling because you feel forgotten by God and you're in desperate need of hope, one of the more helpful things you can do is to meditate on scripture if that's you. And I would say you can meditate on this very verse, on God's promises and his character. He is the God of hope. This hope cannot be produced by human beings, but only by God. And as I taught the kids in VBS, this biblical hope, it is a certainty. It is an assured hope. Sometimes we hope that we get that promotion, or we hope we can go on vacation this year, or we hope that the Dallas Cowboys will finally win the Super Bowl this century. Maybe that's just me. But biblical hope is something else. It's a certainty. You can count on it to happen because God said it will happen. It is an assured hope. You see, hope characterizes the life of the Christian. 
We are a people of hope because we know God and we know what he says will happen in the end when he wipes away every tear from our eyes and when sin and death are no more and we are ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. Our God of hope guarantees that that will happen. So this doesn't mean, practically speaking, that things in life aren't hard. We, as the pastors and elders, know many of the hard things that many of you are walking through right now. It doesn't mean that we won't at times have to fight for hope. It doesn't mean that we won't suffer in this life. It doesn't mean that we won't see the effects of sin and wonder how long, O Lord. But for the Christian here today, whose heart has been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you now confess Christ as Lord, and you seek to live for him day by day, for that person here today, you have hope because the God that you serve is a God of hope. Second, our faith-filled hope. Paul is very clear here in context that God fills the believer with joy and peace. He says, as they believe. That's the key here. This is an apparent promise and condition for those who believe that we have joy and peace. Now, as I told the kids this past week in our lesson time, we can have true joy and true peace only by knowing God, only by believing in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Because that reality, the reality is that joy comes from Jesus, not our circumstances. And peace is promised to God's people. Those were two of the four big truths that I communicated to the kids this week. Our joy comes from Jesus, not our circumstances. And peace is promised to God's people. And what this verse is clear about is that those only come to us, joy and peace, as we believe. Believe in what is the question. Believe in this God of hope who has rescued and redeemed you and I and done an amazing work in this new covenant so that we can now know God directly and we no longer need an intermediary. We no longer need a prophet, priest, or king to go between us and God, but we can now know God through Jesus Christ directly. So my hope, just like I told the kids this week, is that if in God's providence you are here and you don't know Jesus Christ, the reality is that you have no hope. You have been hoping that you would be good enough to one day be in his presence because of your good works. My simple and clear statement to you is that you are not. You're not good enough. None of us are. But praise God, Jesus Christ is. And the good news of the gospel is that those who place their faith in him, who believe in Jesus Christ and repent of their sins, can now be clothed with the righteousness of Christ and one day be in the presence of God. That is the good news of our hope. So the call for you is to believe in him. Not in yourself, not in someone else, but to believe in Christ alone for your salvation. I think one of the saddest things about my childhood was growing up in the Bible Belt, attending church every time the doors were open, being known as the good Christian kid in school, yet never having a true Christian conversion and discipleship explained to me for the longest time. In my younger years, I just thought I needed to be nice to others. In my teenage years, I just thought I needed to be sincere about my faith and make a decision for Christ, and that was it. But I was wrong, and I think I was wrong biblically. And what I'm often trying to communicate to the next generation here, to the students in particular, is that those things, while helpful, are not in and of themselves what it means to be a Christian. I'm not calling them to be nice. I'm helping them to see that they need God to make them new. I want them to be sincere, but more than that, I want them to be saved. 
I'm not after a ton of decisions for Christ, but rather I want them to be lifelong disciples of Christ. The God of hope has to do a new work in our hearts, and yet, at the same time, we are called to believe. We are called to day by day trust in him, to follow after him, and as we do, he will fill us with joy and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. His word tells us that. So praise God for that. Praise God that our joy comes from Jesus, not our circumstances. And praise God that peace is promised to the people of God. Third and finally, we see our future hope. Our future hope. We've seen the God of hope, our faith-filled hope, and our future hope. I'd like to briefly talk about this. Hope is often thought of in the future. And that's true. There are things that we look forward to, as I said, that we know that God will one day do and accomplish. Yet hope is also something for the here and now, as we have seen, that we believe in the God of hope who day by day gives us joy and peace in the, in the midst of a fallen, a fallen world. So there is a present aspect to hope and a future aspect to hope that God is accomplishing and working out in his purposeful timing. But I would like to briefly... Again, since so much of this week is talking about the next generation coming up behind us, I would like to briefly talk about a future hope as it pertains to them, as it pertains to the next generation. Because trust me, at times, it doesn't look good. We see the culture that seeks to sway our young people, to teach them things that are clearly against God's created order and to confuse them about what it means to be male and female to get them to indulge in an incessant consumerism where they always need more, to distract them from the things of God with social media at a young age that is constantly warping their minds where they don't have an accurate view of themselves. So we can look sometimes at this generation coming up behind us and think they're worse than us. What is happening here? There is no hope for them. I'll be honest, I've been there. But I'd like to tell you all what I've seen in this particular local church over the past four and a half years. I've seen boys and girls grow and mature in their love for God and his people. I've seen them recognize at a young age their sins and wrestle with what repentance looks like. I've seen adults sacrifice their time week after week to pour into these kids and teach them God's word because they believe it matters and it has eternal implications. I've seen students start Bible studies and desire to study God's word with others and ask older men and older women to help them study the word as well. I've seen these same students take on responsibility and seek to lead their peers. I've seen them love and serve this church in countless ways and desire to be faithful for the rest of their lives. I've seen parents here who are amazing who own their responsibility to disciple their kids and they see it as their highest calling in life and they seek to do that tireless work faithfully, not passing it off, not hiding from the responsibility, but day by day trusting the Lord to give them wisdom and peace in the midst of it. And these are just a few quick examples. But friends, when I at times feel like much of what I'm saying to them is going in one ear and out the other, I have to trust that the Lord of the harvest is doing the work that he is causing seed to grow as we faithfully plant. And my mind often comes back to Jesus' words in Matthew 16 when he says that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Christ is building his church. 
And he is doing it through these young people as well. It doesn't mean that they, like the generations that came before them, like all of us, won't have battles, won't have things that they still have to figure out. It's going to be difficult for them at times. But let us not look at them with hopelessness, but rather through the lenses of the God of hope, who has promised to build his church and to see his kingdom advance. This is our future hope. These young ones coming up behind us. Yes, we understand hope in terms of eternity, but as far as the kingdom of God now being built through local churches, these young people coming up behind us are the future hope. How then should we lead them, pray for them, disciple them, love them, and see them? Let us end on that question. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you for the work that you have done in our hearts As I said earlier, for those who have come, maybe with a friend or a family member, and they do not know you, God, I pray that they would recognize their need for an eternal hope, their need to be able to stand before you clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Father, we recognize that our good works in and of themselves do nothing to improve our standing before you. So help them to see their need. Help them to repent of their sins and to place their faith in you. And Father, for the many brothers and sisters here that know you, that love you, God, would you help us to have a hopeful look at this next generation coming up behind us? Help us to lead them well, to disciple them well, to love them well, to serve them well. God, help us to recognize that this kingdom work of building healthy churches and seeing them go to the nations, God, would you help us to recognize that this young generation will be taking our spots. So we want to leave them something to continue to build upon. God, may you be glorified as we see uh, a few more baptisms this week. We're so excited. They are publicly proclaiming their faith in you. We love you and we praise you. It's in your sons and we pray. Amen. Amen.